The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Schmitty Balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. It's podcast time again. Welcome, Holly. Ooh, good to be back again. I'm excited <laughs> because this week is the first, yeah. the UK's first dog bite prevention week. Yay! And it's hosted. It's positively. We have, awesome. um, you know, used the model that was created by the American American Veterinary Medical Association in the US, and we've brought it over to England, and we're doing That's sort great. of something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the a conference that we had um, on the 6th and 7th of June mm-hmm. kicked off the week, the National Dog Bite Prevention and Behavior Conference. Mm-hmm. Very successful. Great. So it kicked off the week. And um, this has been a week of social media and raising awareness. That's great. It, it really is. It's more of a social media a week. Mm-hmm. And we have various supporting partners. I would just really like to thank Wood Green Animal Shelter, the University of Lincoln, Dogs Helping Kids, um, the Kennel Club Safe and Sound Scheme, um, all of those people that have supported National Dog Bite Prevention Week here in mm-hmm. the UK. That's so great. it's been great. You know, it's a great time to be able to get out information. But again, can't only be in this week. Like in the US, we got to do it every week. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of, you uh, told me about uh, a new movie coming out when you're talking about dog bite prevention and dogs and everything. To- Okay. It's about, I don't even know what to say. I can't no, even, yeah. No, it's, it's education. And mm-hmm. that's what, hey, we need to educate kids, especially how mm-hmm. to be around dogs. We need to educate adults too, but yes. we need to educate kids. We also need to educate police officers. Law enforcement. Law enforcement, how to be around dogs. Mm-hmm. Now, I have had personal experience of this. Mm-hmm. So I can talk about it. Being embedded with the Gwinnett um, County Sheriff's Canine Unit for over a year. In Georgia. In Georgia, knowing what they go through, mm-hmm. going on their calls with them, mm-hmm. being out there at night in all kinds of different situations, twice we've had dogs set on us. Mm. One time it was a pit bull that was released out of the back door, set on the uh, set on the officers out there. The second time we're walking up a dark road tracking this guy who's drug addict and he's gone he's run off and he's escaped from a taser and he's run off into the woods we're tracking him we walk up a road uh, the dogs weren't set on us but they were outside mm-hmm. and it's at night time and this big kind of mastiff dog comes towards the canine unit they have their dog so mm. their their dog just one dog is going ballistic and there's another terrier as well so i put myself in between the canine dog and the dogs that are approaching and tell them to go back which they did and eventually the owner came out but I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it now. And if there is somebody, fortunately, my canine guys, they've never shot a dog. Mm-hmm. They know what they know about dog behavior. So they never have. But I can understand why police officers do. Mm-hmm. Because they're scared and they mm-hmm. don't have the right care. They, Education. They know. Yeah, yeah. No one's. Yeah. So that's the reason why um, when these people came f- to me um, to ask if I could take part in this film of Dogs and Men 
Michael Ozias. I don't think I'm pronouncing his name mm. Ozias. <laughs> I call him Oz and Patrick Reasonover. Um, they're from LA and they have been working diligently on a documentary called Of Dogs and Men, mm -hmm. which addresses this issue of cops shooting dogs. Mm -hmm. Estimated around 10,000 dogs a year you hear are it, shot by law enforcement. You hear about it in the news and sometimes it seems, you know, the ones we hear about seem egregious and obviously that's why you hear about them, you know, um, but you're right. There are both sides. It's kind of this, you know, what do you do? It's it's the circumstance. I think you have to look at each one individually, but it happens. And I think this film is really good at taking taking this issue and looking at it from both sides. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm, a, I'm a talking head in it. Um, but what I'm also really happy is that the canine <laughs> unit that I work with, Paul, mm -hmm. Sergeant Paul Corso and Deputy Sheriff Jason Cotton, um, also agreed to be part of the film because remember they're canine so they mm -hmm. understand dogs and mm -hmm. if you're going to have a dog set on you better make it canine because they're going to know exactly what to do yeah um, but um, they also know it from the police officer side as well of mm -hmm. the danger that these police face so you'll see sergeant paul corso um, in the trailer and uh, Jason Cotton in the trailer, and then you'll see them um, in the actual documentary when the documentary is released. So the trailer has just been released, and mm -hmm. if you want to go see it, go to ofdogsandmen.net or put, um, if you want to go to YouTube and just put of dogs and men um, documentary trailer, it will come up with that. Um, you can find out more information about these guys and the film that they made and the stories of some of the people whose dogs have been shot by law enforcement. It, it shows both sides. So it's a, it's it does a show pretty both good, sides. you know, yes. If somebody, you know, like I saw the trailer and, you know, it's just, they shot my chihuahua, like your chihuahua, yeah. you know, so there's both sides of the, of the coin. It's, it's really hard to watch. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It's, it's, I'll hard just have to, to tell you that Victoria showed it to me and I, I, she had to cover the screen with a piece of paper <laughs> in some of the scenes that I can't watch. Cause if you're like that though, I mean, I know it's so important to watch, but just, you know, like, thank you for doing that. I have. Okay. Can let's talk about something happier. I, let, let's okay. shift because, okay. um, you know, I, I have two dogs, but I also have a cat and there's a lot of people who come, you know, come up to me and say, Oh, I love your podcast. You never talk about cats. Well, a few <gasps> weeks back we had Steve Dale and we talked about cats yes. in kindergarten. Yes. And so, um, I know we're going to bring him back today to we talk are. about senior cats because me, I have an 18 year old cat and I have so many other So questions. basically you just say that this podcast is just for you, Holly. Yeah, just for me. It's because only you about just, me. You just loved what, <laughs> you loved what Steve said so much that you want him back. Exactly. And All he right. was nice enough to say we'd come back. But, um, and so, you know, and I know there's definitely dog people and cat people and then there's people who are both um, but I found this thing online somebody put it on my face sent put it on Facebook and I put it on my page and it's a dog diary versus a cat diary and it's so true so I just wanted to <laughs> if you haven't seen it so here's the dog diary ready have you heard this no you I haven't, haven't. no I haven't dog diary 8 a.m. dog food my favorite thing 9:30 a.m. a car ride my favorite thing 9:40 a.m. a walk in the park my favorite thing 10:30 got rubbed and petted my favorite thing 12 o'clock milk bones my favorite thing 1 o'clock played in the yard my favorite thing 3 p.m. wag my tail my favorite thing 5 p.m. dinner my favorite thing 7 p.m. got to play the ball my favorite thing 8 p.m. wow watch TV with the people my favorite thing 11 p.m. sleeping on the bed my favorite thing <laughs> you get it right I get it here's That's the cat Sadie yeah here's the cat diary. My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling <laughs> objects. They dine lavishly on fresh meat while the other inmates and I are fed hash or some sort of dry nuggets. Although I make it my contempt for the rations perfectly clear, 
Uh, I never, I nevertheless must eat something in order to keep up my strength. <laughs> the only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. In an attempt to disgust them, I once again vomit on the carpet. Today I decapitated a mouse and dropped its headless body at their feet. I had hoped this would strike fear into their hearts since it clearly demonstrates my capabilities. However, they merely made condescending comments about what a good little hunter I am. Bastards. There was some sort of assembly of their accomplices tonight. I was placed in solitary confinement for the duration of the event. However, I could hear the noises and smells of the food. I overheard that my confinement was due to the power of allergies. I must learn what this means and how to use it to my advantage. Today I was almost successful in an attempt to assassinate one of my tormentors by weaving around his feet as he was walking. I must try this again tomorrow, but at the top of the stairs. I'm convinced that the other prisoners here are flunkies and snitches. The dog receives special privileges. He's regularly released and seems to be more than willing to return. He's obviously retarded. That's right. I don't agree with that word. But no. The bird must be an informant. I observe him communicate with the guards regularly. I am certain that he reports my every move. My captors have arranged protective custody for him in an elevated cell so he is safe for now. <gasps> awesome! <laughs> that is so right isn't that like just perfect on like and i think this happens i see this in my in my house all the time so yes dogs versus cats so i wanted to share that so having said that let's just talk about senior cats with steve dale should we get him on the phone let's do it the positively hotline is ringing we don't know what we're gonna do we have no plan we're just here who's calling in this week he went after her like she's made out of ham that is interesting that's exciting um is somebody gonna answer that hello you're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. Into the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! We have Steve Dale back on the line. Yes. Steve, welcome again to our podcast. That's that's all I get? There's, there's <laughs> wait, nothing more wait, than I'm that. sorry. No. Steve, Steve Dale! Dale! Okay, that was weak. We'll Thank work on you. it. <laughs> Let me tell you, though. We love you. We've been talking about, you know, we were talking about cats and um, socialization and elimination issues. And you are just a mind of information. That's why we want you to get get you back on the podcast and ask you. Holly's got so many questions. I'm like chomping in the bit. Can we start? Yes. Because I have to get going because I, I always grew up a cat person and it's only recently that I've had dogs. So I have had every kind of cat on the planet. And right now I have this 18-year-old cat, George. And I want to talk about elderly cats because I don't think anybody talks about it. Um, first, I want to talk about his mental health. So many times, you know, um, at night... You know, we'll bring him up sometimes to the bedroom with us. You know, sometimes if he's in a dead sleep, we leave him in the TV room. And But he'll wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, whether he's with us or not. He'll get down on the floor and he'll just start to scream and meow, this weird meow, this weird cry. And then we have to get up or call him and say, George, over here. And then he'll come find us. And sometimes even we're just in the other room and he's left the room 10 minutes earlier and he starts his weird cry. And I don't know what in the world that is. And he's not in pain. It's not a medical thing. We've talked to our vet. So um, you, as the all-knowing, can you help me? (laughs) Well, the first thing I would do is, I I know you talked to your veterinarian, but I want to reiterate the importance of that for people. So when when I hear that, the first thing I think of uh, in an older cat might be hyperthyroid disease, Hmm. first of all. I also want to check for diabetes. Uh, cats with high blood pressure 
will often do these things. Now, a cat with hyperthyroid disease or kidney disease is another, yeah. uh, or, or high blood pressure, uh, all of that can be intermingled with what I'm about to say, or that in and of itself, any of those things I just rattled off, or diabetes, may be the explanation for what's going on. Mm-hmm. So there may be a strict, straight medical explanation. It actually is not unusual. It may also be behavioral. Mm. So if indeed it's as you describe. So Victoria is going to jump in here, I know, and I know <laughs> she's thinking ahead of me. So if a dog or a cat at 3 in the morning, 3 in the afternoon, doesn't matter, barks or meows, for whatever the reason, and you come running and you give the animal attention, What's likely to happen, Victoria? Of course. They're going to see, oh, what they did worked, so they're going to do it again. (gasps) He's playing me. Exactly. So that that could be the explanation. But another possibility intertwined with, so it doesn't mean that the explanation is only, so even if it it turns out that it was an attention-seeking behavior, it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that there isn't some of what I'm about to describe going on as well. If it's hyperthyroid disease uh, or high blood pressure, it doesn't mean that some of what I'm about to describe isn't going on as well. And the earlier, the earlier that you intercept the cat or dog with what I'm about to describe, how about this for a tease? I keep saying that. <laughs> uh, then the, the the earlier, talking to a radio guy, then you break for a commercial and then I come back and describe it. But but truly, here's what I'm about to describe right now. It's uh, feline cognitive dysfunction syndrome, and it looks very much like Alzheimer's disease in oh. people. So we describe this sort of, and it is, feline cognitive dysfunction syndrome, this kind of like Alzheimer's in cats, with a acronym. And this is how we diagnose this, and the acronym is DISHA, D-I-S-H. H A, mm-hmm. and it's actually uh, there's an extra A after that, which I'll explain. So the, the D stands for disorientation. This is a uh, a cat that kind of gets confused. The cat that might go uh, <laughs> into a closet, thinking mm. that's another room, or a cat <laughs> that tries to go through the wrong side of the door. Right. Uh, just just a. Uh, and by the way, the same is true. Everything I'm saying is same for true for dogs, really. Oh. Um, uh, an animal that seems confused. Uh, that's disorientation. The I is for interaction. Changes in interactions with household members. So a cat that typically runs to the door, or a dog that does that, as many dogs do, but now is being a little more aloof. Or the reverse. Uh, a dog or a cat that was a little more aloof with strangers or maybe certain family members that's now become this cuddly little puppy all over again. Uh, anytime there are changes in interactions like that, that is another chi- a sign. Another one you just described to me, that's a change in the sleep-wake cycle. Yeah. So an animal that is getting up at 3 in the morning, certainly that's a change in the sleep-wake cycle, but it's also animals that sleep throughout the day. Now, Cats sleep throughout the day even when they're four years old, you know, and certainly when they're 14 years old, they sleep more. And the Mm -hmm. same is true for dogs. Our older animals sleep more. But sort of an animal that 
just sleeps all the time. Now, as I say, there are medical explanations for some of these things, too. And in, in the case of dogs or cats, arthritis may play a role. Yeah. It may feel uncomfortable to move much. And if you can't move, you're sleeping. You know, why not? But uh, that's another sign, a change in the sleep-wake cycle. Another sign is house silence. So while there are many explanations for house silent animals, one of those is simply uh, a cat or dog, a cat usually, that, that, but it's true for dogs too that have accidents in the house that are senior dogs that just forgets what they're supposed to do. I'm supposed to use the litter box right? or I'm supposed to go outside to do my business. Changes in activity levels. That's another one. So uh, it kind of ties into what I said about the sleeping. Uh, so an animal that's just like the life in that pet is kind of gone right. and they seem different. And and when you talk to people and I'm not, I don't mean to compare this with <laughs> Alzheimer's in, in people, right. but when you talk to family members who, uh, or think about it yourself, if you've had a family member that has Alzheimer's, kind of you can see it in their eyes, the light, the spark mm-hmm. is gone. And, and that's the only way I know how to describe this. Now, the other thing that ties in that gets also complicated, so cats sometimes, uh, oh, it's like, okay, your great-grandma, who, who you call on the phone, and she's 112 years old, and she says, because <laughs> she can't hear. <laughs> right. And, and a cat that's meowing at 3 in the morning, it may be everything I described. It may also be or not that the cat has high blood pressure, hyperthyroid, or any of what I rattled off before. But it could also be uh, a sensory issue. Yeah. The cat's hearing, for example, may be declining. And like all of us, if, if you can't hear well, we tend to speak louder. <laughs> yeah. and, and cats are no different either. So it can be a mix or match of any of these things. But I will say, as I said earlier, with Canine or feline cognitive dysfunction syndrome, the good news is there are some things that veterinarians can do. Mm-hmm. And the sooner, the sooner that, that a veterinarian can diagnose it, and it does require diagnosing, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm telling you, your veterinarian will go through the same list I just did. Yeah. Uh, disorientation, interaction changes, sleep wake cycle, house soiling, and activity levels, and may add anxiety to that list too. Uh, and then we'll look at, I hope, all those physical possibilities that are going on. Actually, that should come first. Uh, and, and then there might be advice that's given. And, and some of the advice given to pets, you know, I was talking to you in another segment about these kitten socialization classes. Right. One of the great things about them is we teach people to teach cats things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do this with dogs all the time, but we tend not to with cats. And with dogs, what we do is after that puppy class, and after you've taught your puppy to sit, stay, down, roll over, you're pretty much done. And, and that's okay, but I'll tell you, it's not okay, because constant learning through life seems to be a good thing for people. It also seems to be a good thing for dogs and cats. And studies have been done in dogs using dogs as uh, examples, and uh, for people, actually, and it turns out a lifetime of learning can possibly put off this canine cognitive dysfunction mm. syndrome yeah. uh, or even prevent it. And, and it's the same reason, really, why 
Uh, these facilities, uh, these senior living facilities and nursing homes, they have senior citizens learn new things all the time. It's, it's exercising the brain. They do crossword puzzles, learn about how to go online and send nasty gram emails and all those things to grandkids. They go on Facebook, and all of that is new, and all of that is learning. And if, if it helps keep senior people young, and we know it can help keep senior dogs young, or at least their mind a bit more fit or nimble, then why not cats? Right. So we don't teach cats things ever, even when they're kittens. So this is why I'm a fan of teaching cats things and then continuing to do these things because it helps the cat to be more alert, be more attacked its entire life, and possibly put off feline cognitive dysfunction syndrome or even prevent it. We don't know. Gosh. Holly has been scribbling down I know, I what have... you've been talking about so fast. <laughs> I have so because, many notes. Yeah, I mean, You're a genius. Thank you, Steve. Yes, I could uh, talk to you. Can we bring him on again sometime? Yeah. All right. Would you come back again sometime, <laughs> Steve? You guys can just call me at like <laughs> 3 in the morning. Okay. Right. And I'll put Please the phone do. to the cat so you can know exactly what's happening. He'd, he'd really appreciate that. He doesn't mind. In fact, if anybody wants to call him, call in the middle of the night and he will answer your questions. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for... Um, joining us again you are amazing and thank you all of the um, education that you give out to people on your radio show and your, your columns and um, thank you for being such a great advocate for animals thank you look forward to talking to you again soon how can people um, how can people contact you steve uh, my blog is chicagonow.com forward slash steve dale or, of course, you could do what everybody should do, must do. I believe it's the law. And that would be finding me on Facebook. <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. Bye, Steve. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they... They physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what What the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know? Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just ask Victoria. Ask Victoria is brought to you by Adaptal. Dogs get anxious and stressed just like humans, and just like humans, they don't always express it in the best way. Many pet owners might not realize these unwanted behaviors such as excessive barking, soiling in the house, hiding and destroying household items are caused by stress. All kinds of things can create stress for your puppy or dog, including loud noises, new people and surroundings, traveling, being left alone. Adaptal is clinically proven to help reduce or eliminate stress-related behaviors by mimicking the natural pheromones pets use to communicate. It has a calming effect on your dog, which makes your home a happier and quieter place for everyone. Adaptal is available in a collar, diffuser, spray and, help, and wipes to help you keep your dog calm in just about any situation. Best behavior starts with Adaptal. To find out more on how Adaptal can help your dog's behavior, check them out at adaptalus.com. Okay, let's start with Emma in Sheffield in the UK. Where is that? Where's Sheffield? It's sort of Midlands, kind of in the middle of the country. Very nice. Coal okay. mining town. Uh, she says, hi there. I've seen you training dogs on TV, even the older ones. So I wonder if you can give me some advice. My mum... 
My, my mom, mom that's brilliant. I love your accent. Has a three-year-old dog. She's amazing in the house, but she's scared of taking her for a walk because she pulls and jumps up at strangers. She's a big dog, a Rottweiler cross German Shepherd. My mom's at the end of her tether and loves the dog to bits. That's so British. Loves the dog to bits. And really doesn't want to get rid of her. Please, could you help? Yes, you could. Yes, I you? could help. Yes, Good. with that. Don't All get right. rid of the dog. The dog sounds wonderful. All right. No, 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 no. Why is the dog jumping up? That's that's the first thing. Why is it? Aggressively is it, or happy? Yeah. Like, is it? Is it, hey, I want to say hey, he- hello to you. Is it excited? Is it because that's the dog's way of coping? Is it when people come up to it? Is it being a little protective? Is it... Is it a little scared, a little fearful? First out, why is the dog jumping? But um, I would I would say use the positively no pull harness um, because that can give you a lot more control. Describe the harness so you okay. can tell the difference between that and a regular All right, leash. So well, a regular harness um, has a connection on the back, mm-hmm. just on the back, sort of behind the shoulder blades. Yeah. Um, and that... When you just connect a leash to that hook mm-hmm. on the back or to that, that ring on the back, that actually can cause the dog to pull even more because you've got all of this kind of this space here, which is sort of your dog's center of gravity. Um, and the dog feels this part of the harness across their chest and they kind of, it's reinforcing to sort of pull against it mm-hmm. or push against that part and then pull. Do you see what I mean? And yeah. So the dog pulls even more. Yeah. Um, but what my harness does is that it does have that ring on the back, but it also has a ring on the front. Mm-hmm. So you're leading your dog by the center of gravity. So your dog tries to pull and its body comes around. Oh. You're, you're not doing anything on the other end of the leash. You're just standing there. Dog pulls, body comes around. Dog realizes each time I sort of pull, there's tension on the leash. I can't go where forward. I want to go. So it relaxes. When it relaxes, you go forward. Okay. Um, what I love about the harness, it takes pressure off the neck. Right. What I know you and I, Holly, have a really big problem. And we, mm. you know, we see so many people wearing prong, putting prong collars on their dogs. Their dogs are wearing choke chains. And these people have no idea the damage Mm. they're doing to their Mm -mm. dog's neck, Mm -mm. both psychologically and physically. Mm -hmm. What I love about the harness is that distributes weight evenly evenly around the body. So it's much, much safer for your dog to wear. Doesn't cause your dog stress. Like anything, when you first put it on, the dog might go, oh, what is that Mm -hmm. feeling? But then it becomes like a wristwatch. Mm -hmm. You know, you put your wristwatch on the first time, you know it's there. Mm -hmm. But after a while, you forget it's there because it just fits snugly and comfortably. Well, that's how this harness fits just snug comfortable and then you just attach i've got a double leash so one part of the leash connects to the top one part of the leash connects to the bottom so i kind of use it like the reins of a horse so when the dog is um pulling Mm -hmm. then um i just put a little bit just maybe even sometimes a little bit of pressure i just stop on that front part of that connector um and the dog stops pulling and then we just carry on. And if the dog's not pulling, then I put just more. I might lead the dog from the back. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like using the yeah. reins of a horse. But the difference between my harness and other no-pull harnesses out there is that I have two rings in the front now. Not in the center of the chest, but on just the either side of the center of the chest. Mm-hmm. Because what I find with other harnesses that just have one central ring in the front of the chest is that when the dog pulls, because the natural give of the material, when the dog pulls, the, the, 
actually no pull um, effect has gone because the material moves around and the ring moves around. And instead of having you're leading your dog by the chest, you're actually leading your dog by the side here. So mm-hmm. the dog can still pull against that feeling. Do you mm-hmm. still push against? Yes. So what I've done now is now I have two rings one on each side of the center of the chest. So if I'm walking my dog, let's say I'm walking my dog on the left, I'm going to put the leash on the left ring. Mm -hmm. If I'm walking my dog on the right-hand side, I'm going to put the leash on the right ring. Do you see what I mean? Yep. So that when the dog pulls, so let's say I'm walking here, this is me here, and this is where the dog is attached to here on my chest. The dog pulls... It actually, when it does pull, the ring still comes down to the center. Still mm-hmm. not using that, losing that no-pull action. Right. So I found with the two rings on either side, rather than just one ring in the center, it's actually more effective to stop pulling. That was a very long explanation. But it makes just sense. Just check out the store at Positive.com. <clears throat> you'll be able to see my no, Positively No-Pull Harness, and you'll be able to, you know, hopefully hopefully get that, in, and it should work for you. And so this will help probably, if her, especially if it's a big dog, this might be sort of one of these where she can control the dog more, so she doesn't have to be afraid exactly it's going to give her more confidence yeah okay great um the next one is paul from is it sale cheshire s-a-l-e cheshire or is it his name oh look at that well, sale sale i guess oh. i never heard of sale cheshire well, what's but... paul from okay. england um how should i interact with my brother's family dog that he just got that i've never met before Never had a dog myself before. Not sure what is the correct way of doing this. He lives in America, and we're just visiting. He has a Dalmatian Border Collie cross. Any help, please? I love that question. I know. Nobody really thinks about no, that. No, they don't. But I love that because, all right. <clears throat> um, when people, when I, when I meet a new dog, I'm just not in their face. I'm all about taking pressure off. The dog wants to come and say, hey, I'll say hey to it. Um, and the dog really wants attention from me. I'll give it attention. Um, and it's got a fluid body and it's waggling and its tail is going in a helicopter <clears throat> and it's smiling and it's happy. Then I'll give it all the attention it wants. But a general rule when I go into homes is that most of the homes I go into, mm-hmm. the dogs have issues anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just take pressure off by not getting in the dog's face, not having to touch dogs all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, giving the dog space to come up to me. Mm-hmm. And if it wants to come up to me and it wants interaction, it'll tell me. If it doesn't want to come up to me, it doesn't want to say hello, I'm not going to go into its space and try to touch it. Not for now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for a little bit till the dog gets used to me, starts to come into my space, then we'll have interaction. And I think this is a major mistake people make is because right away they want to have a relationship with that dog they want to show the dog oh my god you're so cute they start going to the dog's space they start touching the dog the dog's not ready for it mm-hmm. that's why <clears throat> take pressure off less is more and then what you might find is the dog starts to kind of seek attention from you and when it starts to seek attention from you then you know give the dog what it needs read the dog give it what it needs but don't put pressure on it it's kind of like a human. If you met somebody and they came up to you, you just met them, like say, you know, you're walking down the street and someone comes up to you and gives you a ginormous hug. You'd be like, excuse me, get off. Right, exactly. You don't know who this person exactly, is. Exactly. But because they're dogs, I mean, you you and I like this. I mean, yeah. we, I'd love to go up to every single dog and just give it a good hug and a good pet. But You know I like dogs better than people. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> um, but you can't do that. 
you can't do that. And so we've really got to kind of use some impulse control on ourselves right. to take pressure off. When you do first meet a dog, the dog seems interested. So say the dog, you know, okay, all right, I've seen you. You came in. You're talking to my people. You're not hurting anybody. It seems okay. The dog's sort of interested. How do you first introduce yourself okay. to the dog? If it's not coming, oh, hi, pet me. If it's like, okay, I, you're not a threat to me, but I'm still not sure. Let still me wait that. for the dog to come into your space. Mm-hmm. Still wait. Even if you're there the whole day and the dog mm-hmm. doesn't come into your space, respect but that. But if they do come into but the if space, they do, yeah. they do. First of all, just let them, let them, you know, reach out your hand. I mean, again, don't put it in the dog's face, but put your hand close to you and let them just sniff your closed fist. That's what mm-hmm. I do. Let them just get a little bit of your scent. Um, now, if the dog stays with you, and and I love this because sometimes when dogs kind of accept you they'll turn around yeah and they'll sort of just sit there or they'll stand there they'll give you their butt which is actually quite a trusting thing to do so if you think about it if that dog trusts you what is it going to do it's it's giving you the non-bitey end if that dog doesn't trust you it's not going to have that confidence mm. to give you the non-bitey end is it <laughs> so <laughs> so it's going to keep facing you because it doesn't trust you yeah so if you get that you kind of get the bum shove <laughs> then you know maybe you could start petting Okay. Um, if the dog is main relaxed and fluid, great. If you feel the dog tense, just take your hand away. Dog didn't want to be petted. Mm-hmm. Just go slowly. And what about eye contact with the dog? Like we all and smiling. Like you look at a dog. When I look at somebody to you, and I want to be friends with you, and yeah. I'm like, hi, yeah. you know. And that's a sign of she's you know, sweet. She's nice. She's not threatening. Um, again, it's totally different with some dogs because some dogs might take the hi and be like, they'll get really excited. But if I go. Hi to Barnsley, for example. Barnsley's going to look dog. at me and go, "Yeah, what you looking at?" Right. You know. Why are you showing me your teeth? Right. Exactly. So, um, <clears throat> so again, it depends on the dogs. I, I think we should smile. I think we should smile because I used to think that if you smile, you show your dog's teeth, the dog's going to think you're aggressive. No, dogs are smarter than that. They, 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 they can oh, read the good expression on your face. I always smile with my teeth closed, and it's important. No. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. People no, think no, I'm no, not. No. No, you can. You can <clears throat> smile with your mouth open. It's fine. You can show your teeth. That's fine. Because if you're being aggressive, if somebody's being really aggressive towards you or a dog's being aggressive to another dog, I mean, they're going to be, you're going to be staring. You're mm-hmm. going to be looking at them in a different way, aren't right. you? That is much different, more different than that. Right. And dogs can read those expressions. What I do is when I'm looking at a new dog I see and we make eye contact, I look away. That's fine. That's great. It's a nice appeasement gesture. It's just, you just do that briefly. Yeah. And and I teach kids, you know, sometimes look at the dog, look away. Look at the dog, look away. And and then just, just gauge, gauge what the dog's body language is, how the dog is feeling. And of course, you know, dogs will, they, they wear their hearts on their paws. <laughs> I mean, you, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're really good at reading dog behavior, which is what we try and teach ch- children as well as parents, mm-hmm. what we try and teach people, um, then you kind of, you're going to be able to, f- sort of understand your dog's inner emotional state or that dog that you're just meeting's inner emotional state, which I think is really important. Awesome. And Paul, welcome to America. Um, okay, let's do one more here um, from Buckinghamshire, UK. Everything's getting from it. the UK. We're getting a lot of questions from the Buckinghamshire. Buck- oh, I thought I had it right. God, I'm learning. I love this. I, love this. <laughs> I have the same problem with American names, so. Like Chicago? No, like, uh, okay, Sh- uh, Schenectady. I called it Schenectady. <laughs> 
<laughs> of course you did. Aluminium. Yeah. Okay. Um, my puppy whines constantly and paces. The only place he relaxes eventually is in the kitchen. This means he's shut away from us. We can't bear to have him in the living room with us as his whining and pacing is so stressful. We long for him to be able to join in with the fa- with family life, but it's impossible. We've spent a fortune on trainers, calming plugins, etc., but nothing is working. I'm so stressed out. Please help. That's baffling. I well, can tell I you, I can tell room. you a hundred percent that the behavior will be made worse by shutting the dog in the kitchen by itself because it sounds like this is some kind of anxiety. Because, but it says here the only places he relaxes eventually is in the kitchen. Yeah, I know, but that's probably you might just really... give up. Maybe. Oh. I, okay, so oh, I wish I could. That this is some of these questions. I wish I could go there mm-hmm. and just watch, see what he does. Um, note down: Is it every single time? Is it when all the family are in the living room? Is it when just some members of the family are in the living room and other members are in the kitchen that he's pacing in the living room? Is it because he's hungry? Is it because he wants something and he's not getting attention? Um, Is it something in the living room that he's scared of? Right, exactly. Um, You know, Jennifer Arnold was talking about, uh, well, with her bond-based choice teaching, she talks about feeding the need. Um, and for so long, trainers have not been feeding the need. And mm-hmm. that's, for example, you know, she was using that that example of when the dog comes in and through the door and jumps up, then the normal protocol is to, um, you know, ignore the dog, turn your back. Mm-hmm. But that's not feeding the dog's need, right? The dog is jumping up for a reason. Um, and is turning your back just going to make that dog worse because, mm-hmm. or more anxious because you're not feeding that dog's need. So how do you stop a dog that comes through the door and jumps up? You don't want it jumping up on guests. So you teach or, or you feed that dog's need so much that it actually doesn't feel the need to jump mm-hmm. up on guests. That's what I feel <clears throat> I, they need to do here. I think they need to feed the dog's need more than they potentially might be doing and that means in other environments not just in the living room mm-hmm. um, because there's a reason why this dog is whining is the dog in pain is it whining because there's a thunderstorm is it whining because there's another dog outside and wants to get to that dog is do they have another dog in the house is it whining because that other dog in the house is lying in the bed that it wants to lie in has it been told off has it what are these other trainers done Those are the questions that I would have to ask them before I could say, this is the reason why the dog's doing it. This is what you need to do in order to stop that. But I can guarantee you, whatever it is, they're going to have to work in other environments and work with every facet of this dog's Mm -hmm. life to to stop that behavior in the the living room. Should they journal? I do. Yeah. When does it happen? What What are the times it happens? Who Who does it happen with? What does the behavior look like? I'd love them to do a video. Mm. Send it to I think adminpositively.com. Um, you know, I would love that to do that. Okay. If they did that, so I could see, you know, maybe we get more of an idea of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, good to know. So yes, yeah. and if you have a question for Victoria, go to positively.com/slash/askvictoria, and hopefully we can help you and. Um, can, can they attach the video to that, I wonder? We'll have to ask our producer. Well, maybe they could. Yeah. Maybe so they could. We could do that. But at least if you want to email, we can engage in that. But if anybody yeah. else has any questions, email because we'd love to talk to you. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. 
For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Positively.